Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that Jesus Christ came from a small, obscure little town called Nazareth? Jesus did not come from a wealthy family or go to the best schools. Yet, he is the greatest human being to ever live. He is the most important human being to ever live. He is, indeed, the God-man. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 1 and see how wonderful things can come from the most obscure and unexpected places. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Thursday here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are doing well and loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus and uh, just, um, you know, just, just growing to know him more, growing to experience his presence more, growing to love him more, right? Growing to, to want to spend time with him more, obey him more, right? Just, just making it about Jesus. Shout out today to uh, my brothers, Jason and Jared, um, just wonderful Christian brothers of mine. They're 50 years old today, 50 years old. They finished 50 today, actually, Matthew. They completed 50 years today. Um, you see, in, in America, when we turn 50, we've actually finished 50 years because we weren't one year old until we finished our first year. When we completed our first year, we turned one, right? So that means they have completed 50 years by the mercy of Jesus Christ our Lord. And this day, those men of God are, uh, are beginning their 51st year. So happy birthday, guys. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I'm blessed to be in fellowship with you. Today, we are going to discuss, we're going to finish the gospel of John chapter one. We're finishing chapter one in the gospel of John. We have taught through the entire thing. Thank you, Jesus. It's been a blessing. I've We've had so many Bible studies in just this one chapter. It's been incredible. We've discussed it continually um, with the Bible study guys, the Kingdom D guys, my children, my wife and my daughter did a study in it, my daughter Kristen. And um, I mean, we've talked about it on the phone over and over and over and over and over again. It's just been, uh, it's just an incredible chapter, like every chapter in the Word of God, right? And so today we're going to do uh, John 1 verses 43 to 51. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we will read it and we will get rolling. So Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. I thank you for my brothers, Jared and Jason, Lord, and for their the 50 full years that they've completed. And Father, I pray as they begin this, the 51st year of their life, that this would truly be the greatest year of their life and growing to know you growing to walk with you, Lord, growing to love you, Lord, growing to experience your presence, growing to obey you, Lord. Um, I just pray just for an incredible, blessed year over my brothers. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you and we praise you. We just thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Above all, Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you for the Son of God who gave his life on our behalf and in our place. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this incredible Bible, the word of God you've given us, the scriptures. We thank you for John chapter one. We just thank you just uh, 
for feeding us in the scriptures, Holy Spirit. We ask you now to give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Powerful scriptures. All right. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, there's something interesting here because previously, in the previous verses, when we were talking about John the Baptist, um, you, you remember in verse 35, um, John the Baptist is there with two of his disciples and he saw Jesus passing by and he directed his disciples to Jesus. He spoke and preached, look, the Lamb of God, right? In John's words, John's preaching of who Jesus was, right? It, it drove those disciples to Jesus because of what John had said, right? When John said, look, the Lamb of God, it said in verse 7, 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So these disciples were, were, were drawn to Jesus, were, were pushed to Jesus by the, by the preaching of John the Baptist, by John the Baptist's declaration, look, the Lamb of God. And that's how they came to, to follow Jesus, right? And then if you go down and you'll see that um, in verse 40, Andrew, and Andrew and John were the two disciples, you know, it says was one of the two who heard what John had said and he had followed Jesus. Look at verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Christ. We have found the Messiah that is the Christ and he brought him to Jesus. So Andrew and John are brought to Jesus by John's declaration, John's preaching, look the Lamb of God. Peter comes a different way. Andrew goes to his brother Simon Peter and witnesses, right, and says, we have found the Messiah, we have found the Christ, right? And so Peter comes to Jesus brought by his brother Andrew to Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, in our text, Philip 
comes to Jesus in yet a different way. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip comes to Jesus by a direct call from Jesus Christ himself. Pretty interesting, right? You see the three different ways there that, that, that these men come to follow Jesus Christ, come to walk and believe in Jesus Christ and follow him. Here's all that matters. Whatever the way that you came to Jesus Christ, and hopefully you have come to him today, whatever has caused you to follow Jesus, right? Maybe you had a brother or sister in Christ talk to you about Jesus and share Jesus with you, and that's how you came to follow him. Maybe you picked up your Bible and you just read in your Bible these verses. And like, and like Philip, Jesus, you heard Jesus saying, you know, Gwenda, follow me. Scott, follow me. Abraham, follow me. Chloe, follow me. Stephen, follow me. Jose, follow me. Esther, follow me. Maybe, maybe you heard Jesus tell you that as you were reading the word of God, right, Pop? Right, Mom? Damon, follow me. Lori, follow me, right? However it is, all that matters is you need to know today that Jesus Christ is saying to you what he said to Philip, follow me. And this word follow just doesn't mean um to like believe in him or a one-time experience. It means to spend your life diligently following Jesus and emulating Jesus in every aspect of your life, right? Omela, follow me. Linz, follow me. Our heart needs to be to follow Jesus Christ. And he is calling you today, wherever you are, to follow him and to receive him as your savior for the forgiveness of your sins and to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Every person in the world today, wherever you are, Jesus is saying the same thing. Just put your name in there where it says finding Philip, just it says finding Melanie, finding Jordan, and Jesus is saying, follow me. Verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Bethsaida was known as a, as a fishing town. Okay, that's what we know historically, that, that it was a town known where uh, a great, you know, a great number of the population made their living fishing. Um, little interesting historical tidbit there, right? So you find Philip, Andrew, and Peter are from this town, right? Bethsaida. Verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is powerful. <laughs> Philip, first of all, Philip found Nathanael. So again, when, when you know Jesus, when you've come to follow Jesus, who, are you, who do you go and find and to bring them to Jesus. And what do you tell them when you found them, right? Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
Who is the Lord calling you today? Who is the Holy Spirit leading you to go out and find today and tell them, we have found the one. I have found Jesus. I have found the one my Bible speaks about. It's very profound. Look what, look what Philip says to Nathaniel. He could have said a lot of things. He didn't say, we found the one my mom told me about. He didn't say, we found the one my pastor told me about. He said, we found the one my Bible told me about. Yeah. Pow, pow. Pow. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also spoke. That's what they had. Remember, all they had was the Old Testament. Jesus has just entered on the scene. There was no New Testament yet, right? So all they had was, it was their Bible. They had their Bible and their Bible told them throughout the Old Testament, their whole Bible told them a savior was coming, a Messiah was coming. And they believed it. They believed the word of God. So here's a quick lesson. This is deep now. All right. So y'all got to lock it in. How did people get saved in the Old Testament? They got saved the same way they did in the New Testament with this caveat. In the Old Testament, people put their faith in the Messiah and the Savior and the Christ who was to come, right? Verse 45, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Their Bible told them throughout the entire Old Testament, right? There are over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament well before he came that said a savior and a messiah would come. The first prophecy is in Genesis 3, right? You'll see it on your screen when sin enters the world and immediately the word of God says in Genesis 3, God says, I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman. And he's talking to Satan here. Um, who led the woman astray, and then the woman immediately led her husband astray. And you can read that story in Genesis 3 of how sin came into the world, into Adam and Eve. And God says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and he will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. And that is a prophecy, a prophetic prophecy, a prophetic word that God spoke, that the Messiah would come, that the Savior would come. And it happens immediately after sin enters the world. That's in the, th the, the third chapter of the first book of your Bible in Genesis 3. And again, you see the scripture at the bottom there. As you go all the way through the Old Testament, you'll continually see prophecies, um, right, Keith Myers, about throughout the entire book. The entire Old Testament will prophesy about the coming of Christ, right? So in the Old Testament and in the time here, uh, Peter and Nathaniel had faith in the word of God. They believed their Bible that a Messiah and a Savior would come. And so they were saved by faith in the Messiah who was to come, right? They, were, they put their faith in the Messiah who had not yet come. Right? They believed in a, a coming Messiah. They looked forward to the cross of Christ and they were saved. You and I today, and everyone for the last 2,000 years, 
We're saved by putting our faith in the Messiah that has come, right? We put our faith in the word of God in our Bible and in Jesus in the Messiah that has come. We look back to the cross, right? We look back to the cross. They looked forward to the cross. That same cross saves all humans, every human in all human history. Yeah, powerful, right? So it's always the cross that saves you. It's always Jesus Christ that saves you, okay? So when Philip comes to Nathaniel, he tells him, and they knew that their Bible said that a Messiah was coming, a Savior was coming, the Christ was coming, and we found him, right? It was, it was, it was a declaration like, like we can't even understand the excitement of it, right? It says, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And it's interesting there because Philip calls him the son of Joseph, right? Um, he undoubtedly doesn't know of his miraculous birth yet. He doesn't know that, you know, um, he is Joseph's son. You remember Joseph was his stepfather, right? Because as you recall, if you if you read the, the, the Christmas story in, um, in Matthew chapters 1 and 2, right? Um, you'll see there in Matthew chapter 1, the story of of uh, Mary being pregnant and Joseph was going to divorce her, but then he has a dream and the angel Gabriel tells him that what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph wakes up from the dream, takes Mary to be his wife. Um, and so, you know, God, the father, the Holy Spirit is Jesus's is father. It was the Holy Spirit who made Mary pregnant with Jesus, right? But Interesting, Philip calls Jesus the son of Joseph because Joseph was his earthly father. So it's pretty interesting there. But the exciting thing about verse 45 is that they knew their Bible, y'all. We have to be spending time in the word of God, the living word of God, right, Benny? We just need to be spending time in these scriptures, Peyton, more time in the scriptures, more time in the scriptures, right? That's why you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus, Abraham, not because I said it, not because a priest said it, not because a pastor said it, not because your mom said it, but because your Bible said it. God has given his word. The Bible is the living word of God, may. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life for us and died a perfect death for us and that he's alive and risen. And Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you, have you come and received Jesus as your savior? Do you know your desperation as a sinner? God has given his word that all human beings are sinful. Romans 3, 23 says that every human being has lived a sinful life and falls short of God's standard. And that we are hopeless. We are desperate. We desperately need a savior. Jesus came into this world because we needed him. We can't do it on our own. Our good works won't take away our sin. Jesus lived a perfect life for you and me and died a perfect death for us and was tortured for us. And if out of that understanding, knowing that you're a sinful person and you're hopeless, You'll call out to Jesus today and pray, Lord Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I humbly ask you to save me from my sin. I ask you to come into my heart, 
be the Lord of my life. Save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence in you alone to save me, to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you become a child of God. That's how all of your sins are forgiven. That's how you believe in Jesus, right? It's not the words that save us. Our words don't do anything to save us. But the words are the vehicle that expresses our heart and our desire to call on Jesus and to receive him as our only Lord and Savior. But we believe all that because it says it in our Bible. It says it in our Bible, and they knew their Bible. In verse 46, um, this is a very, it's a very um, sobering response from Nazareth. And, um, and hopefully y'all can understand this. Look what, look what uh, I mean, I was talking to a brother of mine, Scott, and, uh, you know, uh, just about this and how just, uh, and I'm guilty of this myself, where um, Nathaniel's gonna, gonna express a clear prejudice here, okay? And all of us as humans have prejudice. There's a, there's, a, there's a substantial difference between things like racism and prejudice, okay? And I'm not gonna, not gonna go into teaching about that right now. Um, all of us have different aspects of prejudice, but it doesn't make it racism, okay? Um, look what he says here. So Philip comes to him and says, we found the Messiah. We have found the Savior, right? Um, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In Nathaniel, verse 46, look at 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. You notice how he prejudged that nothing good could come from Nazareth. Now, to his credit, and we're going to see that here in the coming verses, Nathaniel didn't hide what was in his heart, right? Um, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't like an underhanded man, right? It was wrong what he said, right? It couldn't have been more wrong. You know, to him, Nazareth is just an old, poor, rundown town that really isn't good for anything. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? In what ways do you have prejudice in your heart today, right? In what ways do you prejudge things or prejudge people, right? And it may not have anything to do with skin color, okay? We could do this in dozens of different ways, right? How wrong can a man be? This has got to be the most ridiculous statement of prejudice in the history of the world. Never has there been a worse statement of prejudice than this. How do we know that? Because he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Yeah, the greatest, the greatest person in the history of the world, the God-man, Jesus Christ, Lord of heaven and earth is from there. So yeah, I guess something good could come from Nazareth. But in his mind, in his prejudice, he can't conceive it. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. So we want to look into our hearts today and 
and, and we do this in a lot of ways, right? We can, we can perceive that if somebody goes to like an incredible Ivy League school or university or college, right? That's so much better than just like, you know, someone who, you know, goes to just like a community college or something like that, right? If someone drives an incredibly nice car, right? Can anyone be good that just drives an old, you know, 30-year-old year car? Yes, it can, right? And so we want to look in our hearts and just see in what ways, right, are, 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 we, just, are we just prejudiced, right? And we want to ask the Lord to forgive us of that. And we want to ask the Lord to, to cleanse us of that, right? Now, obviously, if you have a problem and you're prejudiced against someone because of the color of their skin, whether it is white or black or Asian or Hispanic, right? Um, then you do have racism problems and you want to deal with that, right? You want to go to the Lord and you want to ask for forgiveness, right? Um, and, and ask him to forgive you and to help you, right? To, to genuinely love all people of all skin colors, whatever they are, right? So prejudice can be racism, right? But not all prejudice is racism. Um, again, there are many prejudices in many different ways, and it's not okay, right? He's prejudging that nothing good can come from Nazareth. And where we do that, um, we, can, we can make massive mistakes, right? Are you prejudiced against Jesus today, right? Do you have prejudice against Jesus for any reason, right? There is a uh, there was a prejudice against Jesus throughout the scriptures because most of the Jewish people did not receive Jesus. Every every single person needs Jesus Christ of every ethnicity, of every race, and of every religion. Every person needs Jesus. Every Jewish person needs Jesus. Every non-Jewish or Gentile person needs Jesus. Okay, whatever skin color you are. Okay, whether we're black or white. Or, um, or Middle Eastern, or Asian, or Hispanic. Um, whatever skin color you are, you need Jesus. Whatever ethnicity you are, you need Jesus. Whatever nationality you are, you need Jesus. Every single human being needs Jesus. And Jesus indeed is calling every human being from every tribe and every nation unto him to receive him, as we've talked about earlier, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, um, so again, every as, we, as I said, as you read the New Testament, you'll see that the Jewish leaders did not want to receive Jesus, right? They, they wanted a Messiah that was a conquering king. They couldn't conceive of a suffering servant, right? Um, and so they wanted like a King David, a mighty king is what they're looking for. And today, often... Uh, many people in Judaism are still looking for that conquering Alexander the Great kind of or King David kind of man. But Jesus is the Savior, right? And, um, and he's calling all people, Jews and Gentiles, a Gentile is anyone who's not Jewish, um, unto him today as the only Savior of the world. And we all need him. We all need him, right? Um, sometimes we can be prejudiced against our own families, right? Jesus says, and you'll see the scripture at the bottom, no prophet has honor in his hometown and in his own house, right? Um, and so um, 
again, you just want to examine your heart and, and I myself and just and just repent of just, and, you know, the areas of prejudice that we have. Okay. So Philip tells him to come and see verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Jesus compliments Nathaniel, not for his prejudice, he's clearly wrong, but for the fact that he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't like just covertly and craftily and sneakily and deceitfully, right? Just, uh, he wasn't hiding his prejudice, right? And that's the issue with our prejudice. That's why you heard me say, you need, we just need to repent of it. We need to confess it, right? Whatever you have today, just don't, don't hide it, but you do need to repent of it, as Matthew's going to, as Nathaniel's going to do here in the next verse real quick, right? Because something real good has come out of Nazareth, and a lot of good things can come out of Nazareth, right? Jesus, right? The greatest person, place, thing ever, right? The God-man. But Jesus compliments him. And what he, a true Israelite apparent, apparently is someone who's who's not hiding anything. There's nothing false, right? Um, and so again, I want to make it clear. It's not okay for us to be prejudiced and just be outspoken about it. But the point is, where, where you see these things, confess them to the Lord, right? Go to your brothers and sisters in Christ and work these things out of you where you find that you have prejudice. It could be against, could be people, you know, um, um, who eat too much. You could be prejudiced against people who don't have a lot of money, right? Um, you could be prejudiced against certain towns or cities, right? Because they're, uh, you know, because they don't, they're not as wealthy, but whatever it is, right? We don't want anything false in us, right? Here is a true Israelite. That ought to be said of you today. Here is a true Christian. Could it be said of you, here is a true Christian, May, in whom there is nothing false, let there be nothing false in us. Father, I ask you to help us, Lord, that, uh, that one day that you could say this of us, that we are a true Christian, a true follower of Jesus Christ in whom there is nothing false. Hmm. Verse 48, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I saw you, Jesus said, while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, this was interesting. I found this in my study. I had not known this. That the term under the fig tree, Jesus, when he says under the fig tree, under the fig tree was an expression in that time that ministers or rabbis used that meant to be meditating and studying the scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. So when it was said of you that you were under the fig tree, it was an expression that meant you were studying your scriptures, right? You were meditating on the scriptures, okay? You were reading your Bible, right? So when Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, very probably, Nathaniel was probably actually under an actual fig tree where people would go and study their Bible, but it definitively means that Nathaniel was studying and meditating on the scriptures. And again, it's a, the probability is 
Then when he says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, Nathaniel was under an actual fig tree, which had beautiful leaves and could provide a lot of good shade um, and a comfortable place to read and study the scriptures. So it's very possible that he is actually under a, a, a real fig tree, right? Getting the shade from the leaves, and he's currently studying and meditating on the scriptures. Okay? It's pretty interesting, right? Good insight. Um, again, that doesn't tell us that in the Bible. It's an extra biblical insight, right, Jose? Jose is a, a one of our leaders in our ministry at Kingdom Discipleship, and he has a passion for these extra biblical insights, and they and they are often very helpful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Verse 49, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's a quick conversion to Christ, right? Nathanael declares Jesus to be the son of God, the king of Israel, because Jesus wasn't there, right? Jesus, you know, Nathanael comes up and he said, I saw you before that. And Nathanael knows in, um, that Philip didn't tell him what had happened, right? So Jesus, obviously, you know, Nathaniel, Nathaniel was immediately moved by the fact that Jesus knew what happened and he hadn't been there and no one had told him, obviously, right? Remember when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Well, how would Jesus know that? Well, Jesus knows it because he knows everything, right? Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And we declare today, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Nathaniel be believed Jesus because, you know, he saw Jesus, you know, proclaim something that Jesus shouldn't have known. But Jesus says to him, you shall see greater things than that. If you'll come to know Jesus today, if you'll come to walk with Jesus today, We'll give our lives to Jesus. We'll, we'll see things. We'll experience things. We'll experience the love of Christ. We'll experience relationship with the love of our Father. We will see greater things in Jesus Christ than we could ever imagine. The door to seeing anything is only in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ can we experience and see and walk in anything meaningful in any manner in any way. Let me say that again. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can see and experience and walk in anything truly meaningful, anything eternal, anything that has lasting value can only be found in and through Jesus Christ and even for him, right? You remember Colossians 1 and 15 to 17, it says, everything was made by Jesus and for Jesus. Wow. Wow. Father, we do want to see greater things. We want to see more of you, Jesus. We want to see more in you, Lord, and through you and for you. Help us, Lord Jesus. And look at verse 51. Very powerful statement that ends this. Uh, it's a fitting end to this chapter. And this is where you'll see the greater things. Verse 51. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Son of Man is him. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open, 
and the angels of God ascending and descending, descending on the Son of Man. If you remember in uh, uh, Genesis 28, I think it's verse 12, that you see Jacob's ladder there. And this is a, a clear reference to that, where Jacob saw the angels ascending and descending on, on his ladder. Well, Jesus is saying that I tell you the truth, you're going to see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending, but not on Jacob, on the Son of Man. And what that means is Jesus Christ is the only ladder from earth to heaven. You see that? Jesus Christ is the only bridge between God and humanity. Only on Jesus Christ, only in Jesus Christ, will you see heaven open. Heaven is closed 100% completely, except in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ladder from earth to heaven. And it's only on that ladder. It's only when you get on that ladder in Jesus can you make the trip from earth to heaven. It's the only, you'll only make that trip not only at the end of your life, when you leave this life and die, in Jesus Christ, you'll be on that ladder. And the angels will bring you to Jesus. And that will happen, at, you know, when you leave this life, if you're in Jesus Christ today. But also in this life and every day we live our lives, it's only in Jesus Christ that the secrets of heaven can be open. It's only in Jesus Christ that that we can see heaven open, right? Rebecca, it's only in Jesus Christ that we can, we can experience the goodness of our heavenly father in heaven, our heavenly father, right? So if you want to see heaven open today, let's start living and walking with Jesus more and more and more and more. Father, we do love you and we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for this incredible, incredible chapter in John chapter one. Thank you for the living word, Father, the living word of God, the scriptures. But above all, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you today, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the teaching to our hearts. Lead us and guide us as we go from here now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.